the importance of sleep and how you can get more of it. Welcome to the Access Health Radio Show. I'm Dr. Brian Forrest, and this week we will be talking about how sleep can be really beneficial for your health and how to make the most of it on Access Health Radio. Boy, isn't that the truth, Dr. Forrest. Dr. Brian Forrest is a board-certified family physician from Apex. I'm Mike Davis. Thanks for joining us today. We'd like to take a moment to acknowledge the companies that support Access Health Radio. We'd like to thank Marley Drug in Winston-Salem for supporting our show. They mail order generic medications directly to your home with free shipping, often at costs that are much lower than even the big box pharmacies. You can check them out at MarleyDrug.com. We'd also like to thank We Care Pharmacy of Apex for sponsoring our tip of the week. You can check them out at WeCarePharmacyApex.com. Folks there are really good with customer service, and usually people don't have to wait very long in line there, and they also price match uh, other local pharmacies. Dr. Forrest, uh, today's topic is one that is near and dear to my heart. I am a big fan of sleep. I <laughs> love to sleep. I really, really do. And and quite frankly, I think I'm pretty good at it. But I think what you're going to tell us today is just how important sleep is and uh, maybe even offer some tips on how to get the most out of it. Yeah, Mike, it's a, it's a common problem. Uh, lots of folks have uh, what we call insomnia, mm -hmm. and uh, most people don't get as much sleep as they'd like to get. And, uh, you know, besides enjoying it, and, it, you know, it's, uh, it's really important for our health. So, uh, you know, the more we learn about it, the, the more we find out that the importance of sleep uh, for health is really important. Um, and there's also disorders like sleep apnea, which we'll touch on briefly today. Um, but research is showing that poor sleep is one of the things that can contribute to early death, um, increased risk for diabetes, weight gain, um, and even dementia or memory loss. And uh, there's some research out of uh, the University of California, Berkeley, uh, showing that it significantly increases your risk for Alzheimer's, especially if you don't get good sleep in middle age. Uh, so it's very important. Yeah, it certainly sounds like it, and uh, I can't wait to get all this information. So uh, one thing, I guess, to, to sort of lay the groundwork, uh, the first question that comes to mind is, how much sleep is enough sleep? Well, and, and that's a question that I get a lot, and I think one of the things that people don't understand is it. this is one of those answers where it always depends. Um, and one of the most important things it depends on is how old you are. So uh, age is going to affect the amount of sleep you need. Um, your activity level is going to affect the amount of sleep you need. But, you know, according to the National Sleep Foundation, uh, there's several different breakdowns for how much sleep we should get. So if we start with really young children, you know, up to three months old, um, 14 to 17 hours a day, you know, so that's quite a lot. Um, and then after that, you know, up to 11 months is 12 to 15 hours a day. Uh, by the time you're up to two years, it's 11 to 14 hours. And then basically every year or two, it goes down a couple of hours. So by the time we get to teenagers, and this one's debatable because some people feel like teenagers actually need more sleep than they get. Uh, but what's recommended for teenagers is uh, about eight to 10 hours a day. Mm -hmm. And then after that, the older we get, the less sleep we need. And it turns out that, um, you know, once we get to be over middle age, 
Uh, eight hours sometimes is not required. Seven may be enough. Um, once we're over 65, then for some people, six, six and a half may be enough. Uh, but generally, even, even for the people that need the least sleep, uh, they need at least six hours a day. And, you know, we all hear that eight hours. Eight hours is good for most adults. Uh, most adults will do well with that. But again, once you're over age 65, uh, six or seven will probably be okay. Um, and the length of sleep, you know, doesn't matter totally. It's also the quality of sleep. So, you know, people who have sleep apnea, which we mentioned, um, sometimes those folks can say they're asleep for eight hours, but many times they've been woken up by these apneic episodes up to a hundred times a night. And that mm. certainly makes for disrupted sleep. Oh, that, that just sounds dreadful to me. I, uh, I, I can't imagine that. And I, maybe we can talk more about that here in just a few minutes. What about people who have trouble getting to sleep or as is sometimes the case with me, not just getting to sleep, but staying asleep, particularly if I, I have to get up, say, in the middle of the night to pay a trip to the bathroom. Yeah, and that's common. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. So first of all, let's talk about the what we call sleep hygiene. And sleep hygiene really matters because, um, you know, telling your body when it's supposed to go to sleep mm -hmm. and making all of those signals, those subtle signals sort of come in at the right time is really important. So first and foremost is sticking to a sleep schedule. So, you know, a lot of folks have sort of two sleep schedules. There's the weekdays and then there's the weekends. And what we really need to do, although as tempting as it is to change our schedule on the weekends, we really need to keep it as similar as we can every day. You're, your body can only adjust to about a half an hour to an hour difference a day. So the closer you stay um, to that same go to bed and get up schedule, the better off you are. Now, if you've got to prioritize one of those, getting up the same time of day is probably the most important. Um, but going to bed as close to the same time as possible is also really important. And the second thing is, you know, pay attention to what you eat and drink. Um, you don't want to eat, uh, you know, really late at night. Um, when you put those calories in your system, uh, basically it gives your body energy to burn and you don't want to be giving yourself energy to burn at uh, 11 o'clock at night. So uh, you also got to be careful about the caffeine. You don't want to have, you know, three cups of coffee right before bed. Most people uh, can't, uh, can't do with that. So that's really important. Um, creating a restful environment. What does that mean? That means really quiet with the exception of some background noise. And what I mean by that is what some people call white noise or gray mm -hmm. noise, which right. is, you know, something that's sort of monotone that, uh, you know, it's not enough to wake you up, but it's sort of a background sort of, uh, wind sound or something like that. And what that does is it screens out, uh, makes it harder to pick up little sounds that might happen in your house. Like, for example, the ice maker. The ice maker wakes up a lot of people. So yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you've got a fan running in your house, mm -hmm. uh, even if that fan's not blowing on you, that fan a lot of times will sort of cover up the sound of the, you know, the heat or the air conditioning kicking on, mm -hmm. or it may sort of filter out screen that sound of the uh, ice maker clunking that ice in your in your uh, fridge so um, that's important also the temperature is really important you 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 know the ideal sleep temperature is thought to be between 65 and 68 degrees 
So, you know, in cooler weather, that's pretty easy to do. But in the summer, a lot of times people don't want to run their air conditioner down into the, you know, upper 60s because it's more expensive. Right. Um, but that's really key. Um, and then, you know, keeping the daytime naps to a minimum, uh, it's okay to have maybe a 30 uh, to 40 minute nap, you know, somewhere between two and three o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, but if you go much longer than that, you can sort of, you know, upset that sleep cycle we talked about. So um, exercise is one that's really confusing for sleep because sometimes people say, well, if I exercise, that's going to make it hard to sleep. Well, that's partially true, but it depends on when you do it. As mm. long as you are, you know, finished with any sort of aerobic type exercise, you know, within an hour to hour and a half of bedtime, you should be fine. Um, but having some physical activity actually helps a ton with uh, helping you rest. Um, and then lastly, uh, managing your worries or your stress. Uh, a lot of times uh, people are busy during the day. They don't have a lot of time to sort of think about what's going on and they will, you know, they, they go to bed and then they, they kind of have this laundry list of things in their head that they want to get through. Um, you know, they're what's going to happen tomorrow and those type of things. So I tell people, you know, you have to be able to put those to the side. Uh, so having like a, either a tablet where you can write down the things that you think about or a pad of paper with a pen, you know, so if you do think about something like, Oh, I've got to get this at the grocery store tomorrow, or I have this meeting I almost forgot about, write it down. And then once you write it down somewhere, you don't feel like you have to sort of remember it and you can kind of rest and let your brain, uh, relax. Uh, sometimes people feel like they have to remember stuff and that keeps it churning in their brain overnight. Um, so that's so those are the things that are really important, that sleep hygiene. Um, and then staying asleep, which uh, you brought up, um, a lot of people will wake up in the middle of the night, um, early morning, and alcohol a lot of times is one of the culprits for that because uh, when you drink alcohol, it actually sort of suppresses your brain activity and slows your brain down. But about four to five hours after you drink that last alcohol as it's wearing off, it actually stimulates your system almost like coffee. So a lot of times people will have a nightcap. They'll have some alcohol before bed or within a couple of hours of that. And then after they've been in the bed about four or five hours, they wake, they wake up and they're, they don't know why. They just realize they, you know, they feel like they're wide awake all of a sudden. Um, and then you also brought this one up, which is really important. Um, don't, you know, I'm always for being hydrated, but you don't want to do that too close to bedtime. Mm -hmm. So, Try to cut off all of your fluids, uh, you know, within about two to three hours of going to bed so that you don't have to get up at night and make those trips to the bathroom. Yep, yep. That's uh, that's what gets me. Now, Dr. Forrest, you, you hit a lot of my nails on the head uh, right there with, with the list that you just gave us. But what about medications to help sleep? What's your thought about that? Well, first, I always like for people to avoid medications for sleep if they can. Um, and there are several types that can help. Uh, but even if you do use sleep medication, you really want it to be temporary. Um, the ones that are over the counter pretty much all contain Benadryl or diphenhydramine, uh, even the ones that don't go by that name, things like Unisom, uh, all of those medicines, that little bit of generic Benadryl in there, uh, which is the same thing that's in things like Tylenol PM, um, that does help a lot of people get to sleep and it, it sort of relaxes your brain a little bit. It's a little bit sedating um, and it's not habit forming, doesn't have a lot of side effects to it. 
And usually the grogginess from that wears off fairly soon. So people don't feel sort of hungover in the morning or anything like that. Um, but the prescription medications, um, they're very effective. Uh, on the other hand, they also have a lot more side effects. So there's some medicines like amitriptyline and trazodone, which are older antidepressants that actually have a lot of benefit for sleep. And then there's medications specifically meant for sleep like Ambien and Sonata. Now, that group of medications is very, very effective, but they're also very habit-forming in the sense that when people use those sleep medications for a very long time, they get to where they can't sleep without them. Um, and many people remember the case of Michael Jackson a few years ago and that he actually died from being overdosed on an anesthetic because he had such terrible insomnia. Mm. Um, and that insomnia was a result of years and years of taking sleeping pills. Uh, and he got up to where he just couldn't take enough sleeping pills to get to sleep. So uh, we like if people are going to use these to stay on them as, as briefly as possible. Um, and again, they can have some, some side effects like memory loss, uh, sleepwalking. Sometimes the sleepwalking can be pretty dangerous. Uh, I heard of a person who had taken Ambien and their wife found them asleep on their riding lawnmower and they had cranked the riding lawnmower. Oh, wow. Uh, so, you know, some dangerous things can happen with sleepwalking. So you don't want that. And it's also not as high quality of sleep. You know, when you use these medications, they, they do sort of make you go unconscious, but you don't normally go through those normal sleep cycles like you could sort of with natural sleep. So, you know, if you have a sleep problem that persists, obviously it's important. You've got to be able to get to sleep. So I do encourage you to seek out medical help. Uh, but medical professionals are also going to try to, you know, give you encouragement for the sleep hygiene as much as possible and use prescriptions as a last resort. And when they do use prescriptions, you want to use those as briefly and as infrequently as you possibly can. Sure, sure. Uh, you mentioned earlier sleep apnea. Can you talk a little bit about uh, that? I, I hear about that all the time. Uh, sure, Mike. And we've done uh, shows specifically on sleep uh, apnea, but just briefly, it's when your airway collapses down uh, when you're asleep. And essentially, our airway is sort of a floppy tube. And when you sleep, those muscles that support it can sort of relax, and that sort of makes the airway tighter. And it's not always completely blocked. And that's what can kind of result in snoring. It's sort of that vibration of sort of the walls of that tube as you're trying to move air through it. But in certain people, that airway can become so narrow, it can actually block airflow. Um, and, you know, that happens a little bit with everybody. But with people who have sleep apnea, you know, it can happen 50, 100 times a night. And think about if somebody came into your bedroom while you were asleep and kind of pushed you on the shoulder and tapped you and woke you up 100 times a night. That just wouldn't be quality sleep. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times, you know, folks wake up in the morning and they, they look at the alarm clock and they've been asleep for eight hours, but they feel like they could go right back to bed. They feel like they didn't have any sleep at all. So um, and, and sleep apnea does have some long term health complications, you know, high blood pressure, cardiovascular disease, stroke, um, mental clarity. Um, and we really also think it may be a big factor in dementia and also atrial fibrillation. So uh, there are good treatments like CPAP for that. But I think the key is if you have a good night's sleep or so you think, and in the morning time you feel like you could go back to bed and do another eight hours, it probably means you need to get evaluated for sleep apnea. Okay, thanks, Dr. Forrest. Let's dive into the Access Health Tip of the Week. 
Did you know that blue light can interfere with sleep? One study found that it could suppress sleep hormones like melatonin as much as two to three times more than other lighter colors like green. So try to keep your bedroom as dark as possible, but if you have blue light or LEDs on computers or other electronics, try covering up that LED with a small piece of electrical tape and set your phone on warmer spectrum light after a certain time of night. Uh, sometimes they call that night mode. Uh, same thing on your computer or TV screen. You don't want those on right before you go to sleep because of that blue light. Dr. Forrest, uh, amazing that you can actually improve your health by getting a good night's sleep. Straight ahead, we're going to talk about more ways you can improve your sleep right here on Access Health Radio. We're talking sleep today on Access Health Radio with board-certified family physician, Dr. Brian Forrest from Apex. I'm Mike Davison. You've already given us some great tips, Dr. Forrest. Uh, anything else that we should be aware of on how we can improve our sleep, which is so important for us? Well, the three, the three big things you have to avoid, uh, which are hard for a lot of folks, uh, are three, three drugs, and that's nicotine, alcohol, and caffeine. Now, Caffeine is, isn't bad in the morning. That's not going to be a problem for sleep, uh, but caffeine late in the day can be. Um, we talked a little bit about alcohol before, that uh, alcohol, when it wears out of your system, wears off, is going to have sort of a rebound effect. Um, so you don't want to have a lot of alcohol like right before you go to bed, or that's going to wake you up about four to five hours afterwards. And then nicotine, nicotine actually can also have this effect. Um, and it can have two effects. So it can keep you up at night. But it can also, um, as it wears off, you know, when people withdraw from nicotine in the middle of the night, a lot of times that's also going to wake people. Trivia of the week next on Access Health Radio. How can you get better sleep? That's our topic today on Access Health Radio with Dr. Brian Forrest. I'm Mike Davis. Dr. Forrest, time for the Access Health Trivia of the Week. Well, the trivia this week is obviously about sleep. Um, did you know that humans are actually the only mammal that intentionally delays sleep. We spend about one third of our lives sleeping while cats spend two thirds of their life sleeping. And I thought it was a dog's life that was so good. <laughs> Man, the cats have it made. What are some t takeaways uh, from today's show you'd like folks to remember, Dr. Forrest? Well, first, sleep is really important and it prevents a lot of diseases. Uh, so make sure you do what you can to get as much as you need. Uh, second, if you have trouble falling asleep, make sure you're observing those sleep hygiene tips uh, and avoid things that can keep you up at night. Um, and then lastly, avoid pills and supplements for sleep as much as possible. Um, many don't work as that well, like melatonin really only works for jet lag kind of uh, sleep problems. But the ones that do work can often cause more problems if they're taken for a very long time. So try to minimize those. Well, Dr. Forrest, it's time for my nap, so let's wrap things up, uh, <laughs> uh, but great topic this week. Thank you so much. Well, our scripture this week seemed appropriate. It's from John eleven twelve. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Thanks for listening to the Access Health Show, and we look forward to joining you again next Sunday at 4 p.m. Until then, God bless your health.